Welcome to the Playmaker Podcast, a podcast for people who want to sell differently. Playmakers wage war against traditional sales and win. Remember, success is just one play away. Welcome, everybody, to the Playmaker Podcast. We've got a great guest. I'm excited for this one. I often say that, um, but this time is a little different. I think this guy knows what he's talking about. It's not just about one potential vertical. I think a cross-functional, the the guy's been there, done that. Uh, We've got John Barrows, who actually is the owner and operator of his own company, Jay Barrows Sales Training. Uh, John, how the heck are you? I'm doing fantastic, Gabe. How are you doing? Well, good. You know, I was just telling John, we, we actually crossed paths at the sales development conference here last week, um, but I wasn't able to shake his hand. I got there a little late. He left just a little early. So I've not actually had the uh, the honor of shaking his hand, but I have followed his stuff, great stuff on Facebook, uh, some great programs, uh, been able to take some, I think, content from others, build into a lot of his own and really have some fantastic clientele. So without further ado, John, do you mind just taking a minute and maybe introducing yourself a little bit about what you do at J Barrel Sales Training and maybe your background? Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I'll try to be brief. I mean, I got into I got my degree in marketing, got into sales like everybody else, kind of fell into it um, and started selling for DeWalt Power Tools, which was really more event marketing, uh, then got up to selling to Home Depot where it was more of an upsell then sold copiers, and that was where I got my true sales education. Uh, learned how to take rejection, uh, and then from there started a company with a couple of buddies of mine, uh, selling outsourced IT services to the SMB market. We didn't, you know, we were 24 or something like that, and so I didn't have any idea what I was doing. And so I, t- I t- you know, took every training there was, Sandler, Miller, Hyman, Taz, Spin, all of it. And I came across a, a training called Basho, and I, I really liked it because it was very tactical in nature. Huh. One big theory or a huge process I had to follow, and it worked. And so I used the Basho stuff to help grow my company up. Ended up being one of the fastest growing companies here in Massachusetts. Sold it off to Staples. Uh, got fired from Staples because I got uh, I don't like playing politics, and apparently I can't keep my mouth shut. And then um, Basho offered me the job to be a trainer. Um, didn't want it because I'd, I'd never wanted to be a trainer. Uh, you know, I'd, most sales trainers I had come across up until that point in my career were either failed sales professionals or professional presenters. And, uh, Ouch. you know, whoever's sales trainer know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, the guy who's, who's either said, you know, you could just tell they've never done it or if they did it, it was like 20 years ago. And so um didn't want to be that guy but they said don't worry you have to use these techniques to sell so you can train so you can paid like that uh join them took on some bigger accounts brought on some bigger ones and long story short they screwed all up and i took it over and went off on my own so now <laughs> i um have a lovely world of startups now i uh i train companies like salesforce linkedin box dropbox Okta, a lot of the SaaS companies out in san francisco and around the world and i train them on you know prospecting all the way through to closing but with a really main focus on prospecting and try to fill that funnel with new opportunities so i love it i love it have a good time doing it wow sounds like a, a storied storied pack background right there um but yeah. certainly you've taken it off and kind of jumped your own ship you've been able to survive I mean, a lot of people 
Uh, it's hard to go on your own, but it certainly seems like the brand and the message is resonating with the audience. So kudos, kudos. I um, appreciate that. So um, before we get into the topic, all things sales, wanted to just put you on the spot outside of sales, anything unique to yourself, you know, something you're passionate <laughs> about. Um, you you train dogs on the side. You, uh, you're, you're a professional <laughs> circus guy, something crazy like that. Uh, nothing crazy like that. I mean, I, I'm an avid uh, New England Patriots fan by anybody can tell by my LinkedIn profile pictures and stuff like that. I've uh, met up with Brady and Belichick and everything else and was at the game this weekend with my daughter for her seventh birthday, which was fantastic. Oh, was, but, it was like uh, a, it was like a last minute comeback, right? They, they ended up winning. Yeah, yeah they, exactly. Oh, can man. never count the Patriots out. Seriously, so, so, you know, I make a lot die. of analogies between that and sales, right? It's like it's like Tom Brady, like please let us have someone else, please die. You know, I mean, yeah, guys, I, like, I, that's Super Bowl. I'd hate, us too. I'd hate us too if I wasn't a Patriots fan, but yeah. I am. But uh, <laughs> I'd say. I'd say other than that, you know, I, I think it was something that's unique. And, and I think a lot of people um, have lost, uh, you know, as we age out and, and different people in different genres are popular or not. You know, I worked for Jack Welsh, uh, the GE Jack Welsh oh, wow. for two months wow. to get his online MBA program off the ground. And, uh, you know, a lot of millennials that I train these days, I ask them, you know, who's the best CEO, who's the greatest CEO of all time? And, you know, inevitably uh, Steve Job comes up or whatever. And uh, actually, you know, if you really look at it objectively, Jack Welsh is probably the greatest CEO of all time. I mean, Fortune named him the greatest CEO of the century and Forbes, I think, manager of the century. So I had a very unique opportunity to meet with and work with Jack and Susie for a couple months uh, to get their online. That is awesome. You know, I yeah. um, I I never got Jack Welch. I actually I did interview with Apple, and uh, in the lunchroom during the interview, Steve Jobs walked by. So that was about my biggest claim to fame there as far go. as top <laughs> CEOs. You you beat yeah. me hand over foot. Um, <laughs> cool, man. Well, let's dive into this. I mean, we were talking about all, God, crazy, tons of stuff pre-show, but I wanted to start with this AI concept. It seems to be a hit yep. topic. You know, Salesforce kind of changed the game um, when they were saying, you know, well, I mean, before then, I think people were calling it predictive analytics. They've kind of I put this stamp on AI, at least in our space. Uh, big picture, what the hell's going on with AI? What should we expect? <laughs> what should we be thinking about? Yeah, it's funny you bring this up because uh, so quotable uh, Salesforce's kind of yeah. content arm, if right. you will, right? They reached out to me and said, hey, we want you to do a session on AI at, at Dreamforce at the sales summit, right? I was like, oh, cool. all right, you know, okay. And, and me and Trish Bertuzzi, right? So we're going to be doing something. But I'm like, well, you know, I scratched the surface with AI. Like I, you know, I did just like everybody else. And so, you know, I start looking into it and it's funny you bring it up because like, before Salesforce hit it, you know, everybody was calling predictable. I still don't think anybody really understands, well, most sales reps, at least uh, at my <laughs> level, uh, don't really understand the true difference between predictive analytics and AI versus machine learning versus any of that shit, right? So, you know, I think ultimately all it is is, it, it is AI is the umbrella, right? That everything falls under. And then like machine learning is a component of AI. And as I learn more about this, I'm, you know, I'm really trying to f- starting to figure out where all these pieces fall. But I think the biggest thing about AI is, is, you know, it's, it's not uh, automation. It's, it's really using a machine to gather insights and, and take data points and learn and come up with um, kind of predictable, predictive analytics, like you said, of, hey, what you should be doing. And I think where it's really going to affect us most is 
you know, lead scoring type stuff where, hey, these leads are most hot to, to call right now. And also forecasting opportunities to say, hey, you know, these deals are in jeopardy because of these indicators and you should probably do this or you should probably send these type of things. So the, the fear I have of AI is really taking over um, uh, the, a lot of the jobs and responsibilities of sales reps. But the more I learn about it, the more the best sales reps are going to be able to leverage AI to, to really leverage the, the human component of what makes sales so special. And, and that's why I'm worried. I actually start a lot of my um, training presentations off with death of the average sales rep because there's, there's AI out there right now that does, writes emails, like super high customized emails in less than a minute. And you got sales reps sitting there cranking out template emails. And to me, those are the ones that are going to get replaced. The ones that are just kind of going through the motions. Those are the ones that are going to get replaced through technology, whether that's AI or whatever. Um, and those are the ones I'm really worried about. But the ones that are paying attention to AI and are leveraging the insights that, they, that AI gathers from the data, those are the ones that are really going to excel. Yeah. And the final one more point I'll make on it is, AI is really only applicable when you have a massive amount of data. Yeah. Like that's like big data. AI only lives really in big data. Yeah. So if you're a small, so the challenge I have right now for like small businesses and stuff like that, like if you're a small business and you, you know, you haven't really tracked a ton or even if you have in Salesforce, even if you've tracked a decent amount of stuff, like there's only so much data for them to, for an AI thing to look That's at, right. to help you make better decisions. So really AI is only truly going to have significant impacts on, on stuff where there's a data set that you can turn this thing on and say, go find me something that I can't figure out. Yeah. You know, I've, I've talked to a couple people and, and don't get me wrong, love Salesforce, love what they're doing, great things. But I know they were looking into the Einstein piece and it was like, hey, you know, we're just kind of a small business. We want to leverage some of this. But I think to your exact point, it was we just don't I mean, you know, we, we don't close hundreds of thousands of deals every you know year. We close 25 deals a year and they, you know, they were larger deal sizes. But um, when you're talking about we're closing 25 deals, getting some of that probability or predictive piece in there, it's like. Uh, you know, Einstein's not going to do very much for you. I, th- thus, the beauty of this this concept of of Amazon. You know, I go on Amazon, and it uses a lot of not just me, but other buyers like me. And I wonder if we'll yeah. be able to continue down that path of cross company data to see if we can't optimize and analyze in a way that is helpful to everybody, not just sure. companies. To your point, who have big, 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 big data sets. Yeah, I think that that's the hope, at least, is that it, it actually will be a, I mean, well, my hope is that it'll be a, a kind of an equalizer, because obviously the bigger companies have the money to spend on stuff like that, but smaller businesses don't. So it could get a lot worse where these big, huge companies have all access to this information and, and can really just make, even make better and better decisions. My hope is, is that there's kind of the, the crowdsourcing component to AI that allows small businesses to say, hey, here's my data, data set. Go find me another data set that's very similar to this and then multiply yeah. it by a billion and see yeah. if you can figure out some nuances here that I can leverage. So well, that, I mean, that's can, my hope. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, can you imagine if you went to Amazon and it's like, this is what you bought and then 
and this is what you bought a year ago. This is, and, you know, it's like, that's not great recommendations. That's terrible. Yeah. You know, exactly. it's like, you got exactly. to expand past my own, my own well, house, you if you will. So, um, so you mentioned this concept of the average salesperson and AI certainly fits into this, but we get this world of, you know, look, I'm, I'm in a company who offers sales acceleration or some sort of automated technology. Uh, the word of templatizing and just kind of becoming marketers, whether you're a sales development rep or a sales rep, is very real. Um, how do you start to coach people? I mean, certainly personalization always trumps automation and blah, blah, blah. You know, there's these fun buzzwords. Yeah, yeah. But when it comes yeah. to where the rubber meets the freaking road, how do we do this better? How do we use technology to our advantage and not let it kind of get to a place of blah? Yeah, I mean, I, that's the that's the big question I see right now is that, you know, all these tools, yours included, you know, they're, they're supposed to be sales efficiency tools. Um, but more often than not, what I'm seeing is they're being used as sales automation tools Ooh, and sales much. reps are just, you know, are just using them to to automate the function without putting any thought into it. And to me, you know, if you're going to, for instance, come up with a, a cadence or a contact strategy here of, you know, five or six touches or whatever it is that are templated emails, and then you're just going to send them out. You know, I don't see what, di- I don't see the difference between that and a marketing automation engine, like a Marketo, Eloqua, Parta, you know, pick one of those. And by the way, I actually think doing it through Marketo or Eloqua or any one of those marketing automation tools is actually better <laughs> than you as a sales rep doing it. Because you know why? As a marketer, I'm it. actually going to analyze the results. I'm going to make the adjustments where sales reps almost never will. I mean, do you feel and, that? Do you feel that's? A, I mean, are we going towards being marketers? Is is that the trend sure. that's happening? Yeah, there's no question in my mind. I, the, if if sales development continues to, and I, you know, I brought this up in pre-show of. You know, Jamie Shanks wrote a blog post a little while ago called, um, you know, is the sales development role killing sales? And and his point was, you know, historically um, before predictable revenue, okay, there was, you you were a sales rep and you did everything. You, you you know, you cold called, you met with people, you closed business. So you had to do all of it. Now, it was a lot harder and a lot of people got out a lot sooner because, you know, a lot of people just couldn't do all that stuff and it was very challenging. But for the ones that stayed, they became very well-rounded sales reps in a very short period of time. Huh. Then predictable revenue hit, and we segmented out the roles. And so there was inbound reps, there's outbound reps, and then there was field reps. And that actually gave, I thought, a really good um, kind of graduation into a full-blown sales reps to kind of specialize in each one of those areas. And then SDRs really started taking off. And now what you're seeing is these SDRs um, who go the SDR track, right? They go SDR, SDR lifers. manager, SDR. Yeah. Right. Which is all well and good. But his point was, is it killing sales? Because now all of a sudden, where are the sales reps coming from? And I do think that's going to be a challenge as far as that gap is concerned of, oh. of maybe you get lifers. And I actually don't think it's that bad of a, a thing to be an SDR lifer, especially if you're good at it. Right. But I also don't think it's it's fundamentally, I don't think it's sales in the in the traditional sense. Sure, right. Sure, yes, sure. it's under the sales umbrella. Um, and I, you know, I was at that 10 bound and some people were like, could we just call it sales? Cause that's insulting to SDRs to not call them sales. You know, again, I think it's, it's, it's wordsmithing, whatever, but uh, you know, if you can't close business, I have a hard time saying you're a well-rounded sales rep. You know, if you're really good at, you know, crafting emails and, and cr- coming up with these contact strategies and okay, that's a really hard part of selling is getting the initial conversation. But that's a fraction of the entire sales process. Totally. And so 
I think sales, if, if SDRs continue down this track, which I think they will, and actually, quite honestly, I think they should. Um, I think, yeah, SDRs are, should roll up into operations and marketing because my vision of an SDR moving forward is kind of, you know, those, um, the, the picture of the old school switchboard operators <laughs> where they, plug, you know, they plug things from one to the next. Yeah. I, I I, I'm, I'm picturing this black and white uh, operator. Yeah. So I got the black and white. I've got the whole thing. Keep going. I'm with you. That's exactly it. That's what I think SDRs should become because going back to our conversation about AI and leveraging the technology, I think that's what SDR should do is they should leverage the resources and the messaging and the tools within an organization to come up with very tailored and, and targeted contact strategies to very specific, you know, companies, you know, account-based marketing, account-based sales, and then, and then tweak that and really figure out what the optimal approach is for each one of those uh, target accounts that they're going after. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what I think, you know, hopefully, and, and that actually speaks to the to the intersection between sales and marketing, right? Because right now, and I did this presentation at Zoom Info Summit two weeks ago of the missing link between sales and marketing. And the missing link is, you know, marketing comes up with content, throws it over the fence, and then sales does or doesn't use it and gives no feedback loop. Um, where if marketing actually worked with to come up with sales ready messaging, gave it to sales reps in a format that connected, you know, maybe personas and triggers and allowed sales reps to take that messaging, put it into a contact strategy, and then leverage a tool, you know, a sales efficiency tool, and then provide feedback. Now, all of a sudden, we got this engine that can kick into gear, and everybody's getting value out of it. Mm, yeah, but you know, man, as you talk about the future of that org of sales dev, it, it feels like it's got some marketing legs to it, you know? I mean, oh, um, question. you know, maybe... Maybe there is a place. I mean, a lot of people say to me, hey, look, the reason our sales dev people act more like marketers is because our marketing team sucks. They got to kind of fill in the gap, um, yeah. which I get. But to your point, you're almost moving towards a strategic marketer rather than a sales development rep because you're basically just creating campaigns in partnership with marketing and they're, you're using their messaging. And I mean, that just sounds yeah. like a, a marketing campaign, right? Why, why, totally. why have the role? Why not just put it into marketing and then get some of your marketing ops, a little more analytics, not these, you know, offense, but sometimes these kids who don't know exactly what they're doing to kind of run through it. Mm-hmm. Ah, interesting. Um, one other thing I want to ask on top of that, and you know, I don't want to knock out my own company, or any other company who you you know promotes sales technology, but a lot of people are buying sales technology, and they're calling it you know sales acceleration, but they're actually decelerating. Um, yeah. Why? You know, is it because we've just kind of started to misuse it, or is it because none of the tools talk to each other? Is it because we got too many, or you know, people don't want to hear that? But wh- why are we in some cases decelerating rather than accelerating? I just, I don't know. I think everybody's looking for the easy answer. You know, yeah. I, I, my, my personal opinion, I mean, there's a lot of to it, I think, but I think everybody's always looking for that, that silver bullet. You know, I always, I, I get asked that on a regular basis as far as different components of the sales process. Hey, John, what to put in the subject line? You know, is there something cool that, you know, it's the hottest, you know, that type of stuff. And I, you know, there's just no shortcuts for doing it right. Uh, I hate to say it, it it's, you know, Dang sitting it. down and, <laughs> well, I mean, my, my point on like no, when true. I did the Zoom Info Summit, right, was, look, I'm going to tell you the, the, the preface to the session was 
look, I'm going to, I've been in sales for 20 years. I, my background's marketing. When I got into sales, I heard about the divide of sales and marketing and I'm 21 <laughs> years later, I'm still, I'm hearing the same damn thing and everybody's looking for all these solutions. And my solution, I'm going to tell you right now, you don't need another piece of technology. You don't need another tool. You just need the people internally within your organization to start talking to each other. Uh-huh. And, you know, I ran through a quick little example of how to run a call blitz. You know, here's a, here's a very simple way of connecting sales and marketing is, you know, marketing goes out and does a little bit of research on a persona, right? So CIOs in the healthcare industry or whatever, and comes in and does a little lunch and learn for the sales team, educates them on what CIOs in the healthcare industry in 2017 care about, right? And, you know, and okay, this is their role. This is what they're, here's their priorities. Um, now, here's a message of well, a component of our solution that helps speak to you know, one of those priorities, right? So and I call them attention grabbers, but the easy way to do this is like reverse engineer a case study, right? Look at the bottom of a case study and the result you drove for that company becomes your message. So we showed this company in your industry how to drive these type of results, whatever. Because that speaks to a persona, I can now understand a little bit about that persona. Yeah, then yeah. I can come up with two or three questions that are relevant to that persona. Instead of, so instead of saying stuff like, tell me about your business or tell me about your priorities, <laughs> I can say stuff like, hey, you know, we're, we're working with other CIOs in the healthcare industry and they're telling us their top priorities are X, Y, and Z are those yours. Yeah. And then you have a story to tell, right? Because it's a case study. So, so marketing comes in, does that little lunch and learn with us to educate us on the, you know, give us the questions, give us the message, give us the, the, the maybe some objections that we might face. And then everybody on the team, you know, five, 10 people, whatever, runs a list of everybody that fits that profile. And then from one o'clock to two o'clock, we all make cold calls into the same persona using the same message and the same approach, right? And then for an hour and marketing sits in on that call blitz and listens to how that message is being, um, mm. you know, delivered and then how the response is, right? And then all the reps take a little back and napkin math, a little pen and paper and go one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five. Like how many calls, how many referrals, how many meetings did I set up? And then, you know, say there's 10 kids making calls in an hour and, you know, all the prep's done. So they, you know, they can get through about 20 dials or so. You got 200 data points right there that tells you that, you know, for that persona, that message either worked or it didn't work. Yeah. And now there's that direct feedback loop to say, okay, we got a tweak. You know, maybe next week we come. So without any technology, without any new tools or anything like that, you can align sales and marketing and drive results and learn something. And ed- and everybody wins, right? Everybody gets educated. There's the feedback loop there. And so, you know, a long-winded answer to your question, I, I just think we've got lost along the way with people searching for a solution without feeling, without really, you know, looking to put in the work. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think you just explained probably 1% of companies, you know, I've been on the road a lot and that process you just walked through. I don't think I can, I don't think I could name more than a couple that, that probably follow some similar project. And you're right. It's the, it's the shiny object. You know, you hear these things like, Hey, we could increase your revenue 309, 300% or something. It's like, uh, yeah, you know, sales to your point. You must have sucked so hard before that. <laughs> right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, That's like right. if you were, if you had an increase of anything by 300%, that means you sucked so hard at it beforehand <laughs> right. that almost anything would have produced a result for you. That's totally, I love it, man. And you know, when it comes down to it, it's like, look, sales has always been a balance of quality and quantity. You know, you do more. Mm-hmm. People are like, hey, how do I do better? I'm like, just do more of it, you know, prospect more and then, you know, do it better. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's quality and quantity, and sometimes it's we, we want to get more fancy than that. Don't get me wrong. I work for a sales tech company. There's some advantages, but to John's point, 
you got to go manual first. Once you got it manual, then you can actually, that's why they want to call it acceleration technology. So you give me a good process, I can give you good technology. You give me a bad process, I give you bad technology. So, John, we'll appreciate it, man. Real interesting conversation. I'd love to uh, just keep riffing on some random stuff. It's always good to just talk with someone who knows a little little bit about everything. If someone wants to get in touch with you, uh, learn a little bit more about what you do, what's kind of the best place to go? I appreciate it. Yeah, my website has everything, right? So jbarrows.com um, right there. You can you know connect with me on all the social channels. But I have a, a resource library there where I pretty, pretty much put out almost everything I do for free. Between that and my blog, you know, I'd say probably 80, 80% of what I train on is out there. Uh, and then you can always hit me up on any of the, the social channels, the Instagrams, the Snapchats, all that stuff. I, I actually tend to answer a ton of questions on Snapchat. Uh, for reps who are, who, you know, have specific challenges at specific times of day. And, and my handle on that is John M as Michael Barrows, all one word. Awesome. So yeah, those are all the places. And, um, <laughs> you know, I try to get out there as much as possible and share content because I think we're in a world right now where, you know, there's a lot of noise out there, um, both uh, of what, you know, what people are talking about as far as thought leaders and all that stuff. Um, and I'm trying to distill all of it into some reality here that, that hey, this stuff works or it doesn't. Um, you know, it's always worth trying new stuff, but you know, it's also good to have a filter on the bullshit and, and try to get people to use the stuff that works. I love it. Great way to end it. Um, John, appreciate it for the audience. Remember success is just one play away.